Welcome to Men Talk, the podcast that takes a deep dive into the world of miscarriage, infertility, infant loss, and stillbirth. Hosted by Daniel Landau, founder of menshelpline.org, we'll be sitting down every week with real guys to discuss their stories, struggles, and triumphs. So grab a drink, sit tight, and let's talk. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Men Talk podcast, where men talk about miscarriage, infant loss, stillbirth, and infertility. Today's guest is Russell Davis, who is based out of the UK. Russell, welcome to the show, and the floor is yours. Feel free to introduce yourself, share your journey, tell us a little bit what you do, and then we'll go from there. Cool. Well, uh, well, thank you for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here. Um, just a bit of warning with this and building work going on in the buildings. Hopefully there's not too much kind of background noise, but... So I'm Russell Davis. I'm a cognitive hypnotherapist and a coach. Um, my wife had a 15, that's no, a 10 year journey of infertility. Um, my, my son's now 15. Um, first, my wife was diagnosed with fertility challenges and had many years uh, sorting that out, evolving, uh, focusing on that. And then she got her full cycle, healthy cycle for the first time. And there's no reason why we couldn't have children. So we're told when they found out I had fertility challenges, which I had never kind of considered no one ever considered me getting a test all the focus was on her and, and like this whole fertility journey and this fertility industry as we know it can be so focused on 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 women um but cut a long story short we did manage to have a son um and now th- th- i mean that journey triggered a whole lot of, kind of my own kind of psychological journey and i realized i felt inadequate i was in fact an imposter just in life as a whole i felt inadequate with other men and it triggered quite a kind of personal journey for me, which I actually think actually contributed to us having our son due to the kind of mind-body link and de-stressing my, my life. It also led me to changing career and doing what I do. And I love supporting couples on their journey. Um, and it reintroduced me to men's work. Um, I love men's work. I'm in two men's groups and been involved in men's work for many, many years. And there's something special about men supporting men. So that's kind of been my journey and how I come to do what I do and and love the fact you're doing what you do because I think it's so important and so needed yeah absolutely and what you say about men's group men talking to men that's really so important because men don't really feel so connected by joining a you know a woman support group or even a couple support group because it's just very hard to understand on a, an emotional level like yes the woman's going through it but the men grieve in different ways they go through the journeys in different ways and it's so critically important and i'm sure like you mentioned you know you 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 thought about changing careers after going through all this and and that's just that's just such a common thing even myself you know i went through it and i i even switched careers and it's just so so common so tell us more about i guess your journey on the ivf and then more about the coaching that you do are you coaching guys going through fertility coaching couples what what's the coaching aspect that you're doing what's that like yeah so so we're going through our own journey i mean we've we've got my diagnosis we were working with a private gynecologist who who was brilliant across the the boundary between traditional and kind of chinese kind of medicine so treaters kind of mind body spirit whole holistically and when i got my diagnosis he was supporting those gynecologists he was he's a a health expert who's helping me through that he's really kind of positive about what we can do and I really threw myself into it, became another project. Okay, we can do this. I can improve my fertility. I did everything I could for four months, you know, herbs, acupuncture, lifestyle, keeping the phone in my pocket, all the usual stuff. And I really threw myself into it. 
And I think that's often what men do, often they have a project, they throw themselves into it, it's kind of all or nothing in many ways. And it didn't make any difference, in fact, it made, made it worse. It, made, it didn't make it worse, but the test results got slightly worse. But I think it actually did make it worse because I was coming from a place of fear. I was so scared of us not having a baby, even more so with my diagnosis, because I guess my wife had gone through this eight-year journey of health herself. And now it was me. I was the, the reason why she couldn't have a baby. And I felt this kind of guilt, this pressure and unconscious fear. What might happen if it doesn't happen? Will she going to leave? I just wasn't, you know, didn't think she would, but part of me thought maybe she would, maybe she won't be able to handle it. So I felt so much pressure on me as well as the whole inadequacy. And you know, we, we, you know, I got to a stage of realizing there's nothing I can do in the hands of the clinic and they were looking at ICSI because my results so bad was the only option. Um, but that's when I did my whole kind of, my own kind of journey and I realized I wasn't truly happy in life. I had everything I thought I needed to be happy, a great job, a great career, a lovely wife, a house, a car, the works, you know, all the things I'm chasing unconsciously to create the life I thought I wanted to be happy in life. But I had to admit I wasn't content. I wasn't truly content. And it, and that prompted this whole psychological journey that I didn't really, I say I was grieving, but I didn't feel angry. I said I was angry, but I didn't really feel it. I realised I was quite distant to my emotions. And, I, and my wife had mentioned this in our relationship a number of times, but it really came to the fore in our fertility journey, that she said she felt lonely on the journey, which really shocked me because we went to all the appointments, we talked about stuff. But she said she didn't know how I felt about it. She said she felt distant and remote and wanted to know how I felt about it. And she felt I couldn't handle her emotions very well, try to fix her, try to make her feel better. And this really came to you know, afford kind of in this point in our journey. And I realized, you know, what, maybe I need some help in this space. Maybe I do have an issue of not really feeling things. And there's some stuff my child and my mom was an alcoholic and there's stuff my child are just kind of buried. Don't go there. I'm okay. And it just started this whole kind of psychological journey of looking at, okay, why aren't I happy? What's going on? And I realized that I didn't just feel an imposter because of my diagnosis. I felt like an imposter with other men. Um, from a young age, I felt like I wasn't good enough. And I'd live, what I articulate now is outside in. I'll be okay when, or I'll be okay if. And unconsciously, I was chasing the next thing to be okay. Whether it be the job, the, the wife, and now the baby. And having done that kind of psychological journey and realizing I was a people pleaser and I was doing things because I thought I should be doing, I was doing this career because I thought I should be doing it, getting a good, safe job. What do I want in life? So having my own kind of therapy and coaching really saw me the value of it. And I actually trained as a cognitive therapist purely as part of that journey to understand me more. Because I thought, okay, if I don't do this job, this career, what do I do? I had no idea what I really wanted to do. So I did all that kind of coaching and training just to find out me more. When I got my qualification, the gynecologist we were working with started referring patients to me. I thought it was really weird. I thought I'd never considered seeing patients in the fertility space and because it's gynecologists obviously many they were they were women but i suddenly realized i understand this space i get what they're going through okay i'm not a woman but i understand some of the pain and the grief so i just realized actually this would be a great space to support other people on their journey and it is mainly women i kind of work with which is ironic because I, I love men's work i am in a, in a men's group i run a men's group but I think women are more open to getting this support. And I do work with some of their partners. 
And I do a lot of couples work, do a lot of couples work. And sometimes that leads to working with some of the one-to-one men, which I really enjoy. But on the whole, it's mainly women in that fertility space. I do non-fertility coaching as well, a lot of, a lot of men in other space. But it seems in the fertility space, they're more reluctant to get support. But they're happy to get support on their career. I do a lot of personal coaching around career and, and business. But actually, it becomes therapy. When does therapy start, coaching finish? It's just a grey line. I just launch into the therapy stuff if they need it. But it's interesting how this space, there's still reluctance. Maybe there is the shame or, or other things that stop them wanting to, or maybe not realizing how it can help. And there's another aspect. So they think, oh, coaching, I get some coaching for my business, but actually ends up being therapy. Um, and I think there's a lot of maybe stigma around kind of therapy or getting support in this space. Um, but I just find my work with other men, as, as, as in my men's work, as in me, being just a couple of nights ago, okay, I was in my men's group and we were supporting another man. And as he was sharing something about his relationship with his mum, I just started crying. I, it just um, just came from nowhere. It, what he was sharing was triggering me. That's like, shit, I feel exactly the same. I had never realised it. And it was almost him verbalising it had allowed me to tap into that part of me. And I think there'd been guilt and shame of buried it. I can't, don't go, don't. I, back of my mind, I knew it was there, but he allowed me to feel it myself. And to be supported and, and be, just be witnessed by the men, knowing that that's okay. You're not bad or wrong for having those thoughts or feelings. It is so valuable, so valuable. It absolutely is. How on earth do you get men to come to your men's group? Because a lot of times men are afraid to to go to these things. They don't want to be alone. They'd rather be with a group of people. So what is your strategy in order to get men to come to you? Yeah, really good question. And I mean, I I, one of my men's group is people I met on a men's. We we were in a men's group together with John Wyland's one of the kind of leaders in in men's work, and we worked with John for many years. We we were in John's first men's group. We just stayed together. You know, we're now peer led to just stay together. But I wanted a local men's group. I wanted men in my area to meet together face to face because this is all Zoom people around the world. I wanted something more local. And I had a question how do I get men to see the value of this work? I just asked a couple of friends, say, look, how do it feel if we got together a small group of men to have some more real conversations about life? And I, I, I kind of took it lightly, saying, we'll just go to the quiet corner of the pub because it's not a quiet village pub. We'll go midweek, be quiet. We'll just sit in the corner of the pub and just have. A real conversation. I thought the pub might be a more non-threatening environment, you know, just to to ease them into it, kind of thing. And they said, "Yeah, that sounds great." And it kind of involved that suddenly they saw the value, they saw the value, and they invite, they started to invite someone else, and they knew I didn't know. We contained the number to, to to five or six, but I asked two two men, and they invited someone else, and then we got kind of six men, and it's evolved from there. Now we don't meet in the pub because we want to be able to have real honest conversations and not figure out, you know, how we react. We can cry if we want to, get angry if we want to. So now we often, we live by, by the sea. We might go on the beach and light a fire by the beach or some guy's got, got some land. We go on their land and, and do a campfire and just have a safer space where we can just be, have real deep conversations. And they just see the value. 
And it's incredible seeing some some younger guys join and they have no issues in their life, as it were. But we all have challenges in life, but they just see the immense value of sharing some challenge in life, whether it's work or relationship. They're not going through infertility, they're not going through massive grief or challenge, but they still see the value of that work. And I think it was just, I opened it was like, just have some real conversations just to support each other. And they were open to that. And then it just evolved from that. And they really saw the value. We, as we go along, we do deeper and deeper work. It's incredible. And it really does start from community building. You know, one person invites another and, and that's how, and that's how these things grow. Yeah. Yeah. Because if someone invites you along, I think it's not too weird and too wacky. I think there's a lot of, okay, maybe some stigmas around men's groups. I don't know. Um, yeah. That, yeah, what is that? It's, it's unknown. I guess the fear of the unknown. And maybe they've heard of men's groups and heard some weird and wacky stuff and, you know, dancing naked around the fire. It's none of that. It's no dancing naked around the fire. You know, it's just men having a real conversation. You know, it's just. And, and that's just totally normal. Guys, it's totally yeah. cool to meet up with one another and to have a, a nice, chill conversation about these yeah. issues or anything really yeah. that's on your mind because it's normal absolutely completely normal and i think we've lost that in society i imagine in days of old men were sitting around the campfire sharing stories sharing wisdom supporting each other learning and growing together and we've lost that in our society i think that kind of mutual support and understanding yeah i want to go back to what you said a bit earlier before we you know went on the path about about the men's groups you said that you were you had that fear in you oh you're you know leave leave you all these different things how did you get over that that fear like what what did you do to channel that that fear that anger all the all those emotions i i got one-to-one support you know i got, I got myself a therapist and coach and uh, and worked with people to, to work through that because i realized actually but the first and the first step to be honest it was brutal honesty the first that was brutal honesty with myself that maybe putting needed could benefit from some help that this stuff was getting in my way this stuff was stop me live the life i want being happy and being content i never considered it would stop me getting us getting pregnant to impact my fertility but i do look back and see that that was impacting my fertility because when i found a more place of peace within myself my fertility improved dramatically without me actually doing anything about it so i do believe that was that link but at the time it was more just recognizing do you know what if i don't do anything about this i'm not sure a relationship will last because she feels so lonely in the relationship. And I guess it started with brutal honesty that this I need to do something about this. I'm, I'm not in touch with my emotions. I'm emotionally distant. My wife feels lonely. I'm truly not really happy in life. I am a people pleaser. I need to do something about this. Otherwise, I'm never going to be happy. So brutal honesty first. Then I got one-to-one support and I worked with someone to help work through some of that stuff. Um, and a lot of it was childhood learning and let go of that. And to help me see through the illusion of the stories I was trapped myself in. We, we live in a, in a, in a thought created reality and we, we only ever experiencing our thinking. Otherwise, my circumstances, I blame my wife for the emotionally distance. I blame my wife emotions. I blame my bank balance. I blame, I blame my boss for how I was feeling. But actually, it was all my thinking. It was the stories I was attaching to all that stuff and the stories I created myself through childhood, which I was carrying on out of habit. So that was really helped me just let go of all those kind of stories and, and, and create new stories. So would you say that when someone's going through fertility or a loss, that even though they're having a different type of trauma now, but the way they're raised, the different traumas, 
that they've gone through growing up get re-exposed and they have deeper traumas like it becomes a deeper issue like if they had a fear or they had an anger issue like it would come out more yeah actually i absolutely do believe that i think over time they can get stronger because over time your unconscious mind finds more more evidence to back it up but also i see this infertility journey or miscarriage or struggling to conceive is like alcohol you know, so alcohol is a mood enhancer. Some drugs are mood suppressors, some are mood enhancers. Alcohol is a mood enhancer. So if you're happy and you drink, you feel happier. If you're sad and you drink, you feel more depressed. And I just see this fertility journey and, and is like a mood enhancer. There may be unconscious thoughts and beliefs or limiting beliefs we have about ourselves that are in the background, that actually we have coping mechanisms or actually part of us thinks we they're useful like we strive i thought my striving my fear pushed me to do my best and i always achieve things and generally was successful in academics or my career but i think this fertility journey highlights these things because when it comes to fertility those mechanisms don't work you can't control the outcome and i think sometimes this fertility journey shines a spotlight on these things that were there all the time but maybe had coping mechanisms although more dormant or don't cause so much of an impact into our life so I do think that they can come to the fore on this journey. So my, my, my work with my clients is not really about fertility. I talk about Project You versus Project Baby. We take a step back and focus on Project You. We take a step back and help you be the you you're really meant to be and create the life you feel inspired by, by with or without a baby. Because unconsciously, we think we need a baby to have purpose. We need a baby to be fulfilled. It's not true. That's I'm okay if, I'm okay when. We come into the world feeling content, feeling complete, feeling you know a baby a toddler just walks around this world thinking they're okay we're creating amazing stuff it's about in one hand knowing you're okay whatever happens you're okay you're complete in this moment the other hand it's okay to have a goal an aspiration without holding it lightly it's having both but so often we're trying to get find a sense of okayness worthiness completeness through the external goal whether it be in the career or the, or the relationship and now it's now it's the family and it's about living what I call more inside out, knowing you're complete in this moment and creating your family, creating the container you bring your family into rather than expecting the family to create that kind of container, that feeling within. So as a long answer, I do believe that they can get stronger or, or this journey, fertility journey can shine a spotlight on this stuff, which I, I do believe it's an opportunity. You know, we had 10 years of infertility and we wish that upon anyone but I am truly grateful learning about myself in that journey, which means I'm a happier man. I believe I'm a happier man as a result. And I truly believe I'm a better father. Uh, so I would have unconsciously continued those patterns from my mother. Um, but I thankfully did that work and let a lot of that go. I'm not a perfect father by any means, but I think I'm a, hopefully like thinking of a better father as a result of that. And that's really powerful because it's really true that these experiences, you might think going into this one thing, oh, I need this child to become a better parent, to become a better spouse, whatever it is. But it's really, it's all internal. There are external factors also. So you really just got to stay strong. And even if you are go, going through this, these experiences on this journey, creating the open communication and connecting with yourself a little bit more does make you significantly stronger. You're able to help another person going through it. I mean, it's absolutely incredible how going through it now, I'm able to, to to help someone else and give advice and help them through their journey. It does really make you stronger. 
it does and i think we're all fellow strugglers in some way but some of us are just further down the journey than others and it's just helping that giving that advice and that perspective that's why i love our men's work you know everyone has a different perspective i just love that that i share something around a kind of campfire as it were whether it's metaphorical or physical and and people just other men share I'm, 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 I'm a coach i'm a therapist and a coach and in my men's group there's no other therapists or coaches you know they're, they're all just different walks of life different things but they all have give me a different perspective help me see something different from their own life experience whether they've had a similar experience or they've had synergies in different area of life and it's just realizing that we don't have all the answers but we don't need to have all the answers and i do it's like we say as a phrase you know it takes a, a village to to raise a child and i think we've lost that sense of extended family we now live in more disparate places and you know you know it does take a community to raise a child and, and i think we're born to live in community and we've lost that sense of community in so many ways um we think we have to do it alone um rather than actually it's okay to reach out for help it's okay to ask that's not a weakness i think that's, i've realized that's that's actually a strength and it's also you know the stigma of not being able to reach out that's something of the past now more and more celebrities more and more people are sharing their stories there's more resources out there that people should not be afraid to to cry to share their stories because you're not alone right the statistics for fertility at least in the united states is one out of every eight couples struggles with infertility one in four pregnancies end in a miscarriage one in 160 births end in a stillbirth so the the fact that you're not alone knowing someone to your left knowing someone to your right that it could have gone through it gives you an opportunity to talk about it yeah i totally agree and i think you no know, mental health is far more kind of spoken about and on the agenda which is really great um more in the mainstream i still think there's somewhere to go around fertility specifically around men i think it's still some stigma and it is changing don't get me wrong in the last two or three years it's been a big change a lot of the work you're doing it's great to see people like you doing your work that didn't exist on, on, on my journey. Um, so that is slowly changing, but I think there's, we need more of that conversation about it's okay to talk about fertility. It's okay to talk about the grief about, you know, about, you know, childlessness and all that kind of stuff. Cause I think it's a particular form of mental health. I think there's still a bit of a stigma around, particularly around men. Um, and you're right. I mean, I think it's one in six in the UK, but it's one in eight, one in six. Doesn't matter, you know, there's still high numbers and about 50% involve male factor fertility. And whether it involves male factor or not, you know, for years it didn't involve my, my fertility, but I still found that struggle as a man, you know, supporting my, my, my wife and, and, and the grief and not feeling the grief, all that kind of stuff. Because when I got my diagnosis, it adds a whole other dimension to it. Um, so 50% of fertility, infertility cases involve male fertility. That's an awful lot of men. And whether it involves it or not, and miscarriage is grief. And often it's hidden grief. Now, if you had a child, whatever age, and you lose your child, people understand that grief. They can relate to that. Miscarriage is, I think, is just as painful. It's still a grief. It's still loss of a child. You may not have met them kind of face-to-face physically, but there's still a bond. There's still a connection. Even fertility is grief of the, the child you thought you might have expected to have. It, it's grief of having your own children. It's still grief, but it's often hidden and buried. And it's like a hidden disability. I mean, it's not a disability, but it's like people have hidden disabilities. It's not really acknowledged or recognized. And, and it's, it's bringing those conversations to the fore, saying there's no shame about it. 
you know, when I had my diagnosis, I did feel less of a man. I had to get over that and realize, you know what, I'm no less of a man. If I had a broken leg or something else, it's, I'm no less of a man just because it's my kind of, we challenge our masculinity. What, what, you know, hold another question about what's masculinity? Another thing about, you know, we touched about my emotions and, and sharing stuff. And I think that's, it's about men and women, but it's actually masculine and feminine energy. Men tend to have more masculine energy. Women tend to have more feminine energy. The masculine is that is structure. It's 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 it craves nothingness. It's the feminine is emotion, and men have feminine energy within us. And I think it's men allowing themselves to connect to that side of them that is emotion, is connection, is community. That's often feminine energy. And it's recognizing to be a man, we both have both. And it's okay to have both. And we think we've brought up a society, you know, big boys don't cry and what it means to be a man, which is masculine, masculine energy, but it's often toxic masculine energy. It's not recognizing the feminine aspect of being a man uh, and seeking a more rounded, fuller, I guess, relationship with ourselves and other people. Absolutely. What... Before we, you know, close the close the podcast, what would be your best tips and piece of advice to guys going through this? Talk to another man, I think. Talk to anyone. Talk to anyone, whether it's a therapist or a coach. But talk to friends. I think there's a gift in this. I think, like I said, when I asked people about joining a group, and I said yes. I think men are craving deeper connections. Men are craving real combinations, conversations. They're too scared to initiate it. They're too scared to initiate it. So initiate it. My advice would be initiate it. Have a deeper conversation with someone, whether it's a therapist or coach or just a friend. Don't do it alone. Don't bottle it up. Be brave. I think there's magic on the other side of a, a difficult conversation. So, yeah, talk to someone. Um, and to realize you're not alone. Yeah. And when you talk to someone in, in a fertility space, realize you're not alone, or talk to another man and realize you're not going to be judged. You're not going to be judged. You will not be judged and you are not alone. Remember that. Russell, thank you so much for coming on the show. We, we loved having you. And uh, for anyone who wants to reach out to Russell, I'm sure he'd be more than willing to help you out in, out in the UK. So feel free to... I work with people all over the world, yeah, through Zoom. So yeah, anyone around the world I work with, yeah. Around the world too. Zoom is, what a wonderful thing, technology. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I know, I've been using Zoom for about 10... So fertility work is interesting. I have had clients all over the world for many, many years. Pre the Zoom, I've been using for you for many years. Um, yeah, so I love it. I love it. Great. So feel free to reach out. I'll have uh, his contact information for you available so you can reach out. You've just listened to another great episode of Men Talk with Daniel Landau. If you've suffered from miscarriage, infertility, stillbirth, or infant loss and want to open up about it, reach out. We'd love to have you on the show. You can also join our Facebook group, or if you'd like to get involved and start a chapter in your neighborhood, visit our website, www.menshelpline.org today. Until next week, stay strong, and remember, you're not alone.